Good morning, 1548 Heights, members and friends online and in person. Grace and peace to you in abundance. We want to especially welcome our guests, and I've already seen some of you who have driven uh, a number of miles to be here to help uh, Ann celebrate, or in us celebrate, Ann Bayless's retirement, and so thank you for that effort. Uh, Ann is not riding off into the sunset. Uh, she is going, she is stepping out of vocational staff ministry. She's still going to be a member here. She's going to draw some firm boundaries so she doesn't get pulled back into all that. But uh, this is not a, a, a goodbye in that sense. It's more like a well done, good and faithful servant, and thank you. We will have a fellowship meal after this. We'll, you know, uh, give some gifts to Ann and celebrate her. We hope you can stay for that. I'm particularly excited because Ann has been practicing for several weeks now, singing to us, Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life. And, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I like to make Ann crack up when she's on the front line like that. Our mission at 1548 Heights is to be a transforming church, changing lives for God and for good as God transforms us into the image of Jesus. And part of our transforming journey together is to gather weekly to worship God. And it's good to be here with you. I am in a second week of a series called Good and Beautiful. And this is based on a book by James Bryan Smith. Here's a picture of it. Uh, good, the Good and Beautiful You, Discovering the Person Jesus Created You to Be. This is a fourth in a series by Smith. And this one in particular, he, he said, I'm, I'm trying to address what is often a toxic self-narrative people have about who we are and who we're meant to be. And it just so happens that today we're going to talk about our bodies, your body. Last week we talked about our souls. We talked about how our soul is uh, the deepest essence of our God-breathed humanity and that our souls need and want and even will demand to be uh, cared for and, and attended to. And so we sort of delved into all that this week, and today, last week, today we're going to talk about our bodies. And each week, as Smith does in his book, we'll talk first about a false narrative, and then a true narrative, and then delve into that true narrative. Uh, there's a bulletin outline that uh, you can use to follow along if you'd like, to underline certain scriptures, and to fill in blanks if that helps you track along and as I did last week I want to encourage you if you miss any any in this series uh, you can listen to it on our podcast these are sequential they build on one another so let's read together our passage for today Psalm 139 verse 13 through 18 listen to the word of the Lord you O Lord made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. 
And as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Thanks be to God for his word and for his living word, Jesus Christ. So let's start with a false narrative. The false narrative we often carry around with us is that our bodies are only physical. Our bodies are only physical. That we are, in fact, an amalgam of skin and bones and muscle and blood and cells and organs and that is the extent of it. We are a, 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 a living machine, if you will. It's interesting that in, in Greco-Roman society of, of Jesus' day, the Greeks had practiced a kind of dualism. You had your body and your soul. And your body was matter, uh, and your soul was spirit. And, and matter was sort of, you know, ugly and dirty and, and, and corrupt and spirit was good and pure. And so that emanated or manifested outward in all kinds of ways of how you behave because it really didn't matter what you did with your body. In one sense, your body was kind of a giant taste bud. You know, just, just enjoy whatever you want and it doesn't really affect who you are. And then death, at death, your soul is released from that captivity to the, the dirty, corrupt body and experiences freedom. And, and that's the dualism of Jesus' day. Now, in contrast to this, the Hebrew and later Jewish and later Christian conception of the body is that we are holistic people. We're not a duality of body and soul, body and spirit. We are whole people. We are embodied souls, if you will, in the totality of who God creates us to be. And so... That is the false narrative that we often carry around is that our bodies are simply physical instruments. Here's the true nar narrative. Our bodies are sacred. Our bodies are sacred. The psalmist says, For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the apostle says, For we are God's workmanship, and as I've pointed out many times, that word is poemas. We are God's special sort of masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Our bodies are sacred. The psalmist says in Psalm 16, 9, I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, my soul rejoices my body also rests secure. My heart, my soul, my body, it's all part of that sacred being. Now, our bodies are, in fact, uh, amazing instruments. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But as I frame this, uh, I want to look at three ways to view our bodies. And each is a biblical way, and they, they're not exclusive. You don't have to choose one. They all sort of come together. One's not better than the other. They're just all part of the scriptural uh, testimony to who we are as embodied people. 
And so the first way to do that is to see that is our bodies are gifts to be stewarded. Our bodies are gifts to be stewarded, the psalmist says. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know well. Would you say that with me? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Our bodies are amazing, amazingly complex and fine-tuned. You know those ten, fifteen thousand dollar luxury precise Swiss watches? Primitive. <laughs> you know that supercomputer you carry around that we call a smartphone? Simple compared to our bodies. Let me let me just randomly state ten facts about our bodies that I don't know. You may not know these. Do you know that your largest bone in, the, in your body is your femur bone right here? It can support 30 times your weight, which is ounce for ounce stronger than steel. Mm. Did you know that messages from your brain travel along your nerves at up to 200 miles an hour? Did you know that if your DNA were uncoiled... It would stretch 10 billion miles from Earth to Pluto and back. So please don't uncoil your DNA. In that Did you know that when you take one simple step, you use up to 200 muscles? Did you know that your skeleton renews itself completely every 10 years? Did you know your brain contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections? This is more than the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Did you know, just like your fingerprints, your tongue has its own unique print? No one else's tongue has the same print as yours. Did you know that your stomach lining is replaced every four to five days to prevent it from digesting itself? Every two to three days if you've just eaten at Taco Bell. Uh, did you know your blood circulates about 12,000 miles a day? That's like traveling from east to west across the widest part of the Pacific Ocean. Our bodies are amazing. Last one. Did you know that every hour in the time we're here in this worship assembly, you will shed, we will shed, each about 600,000 particles of skin or about 1.5 pounds every year. And by the time you are 70 years old, you will have lost about 105 pounds of skin. And really, you're bothered by your dog's shedding. I mean, come on. Your dog is talking about your shedding. But our bodies are just amazing, and they are gifts to be stewarded. And I want to just spend a, a few minutes on what I see as such a sad 
feature of Western society, maybe America in particular, these often toxic body images that we are uh, subjected to, that we should be a certain desirable shape or a certain desirable size or what have you, images of what a beautiful woman looks like uh, uh, or a, a manly man looks like, and they're really all predicated on appearance and what, whatever standard, uh, whoever culturally decides, it's usually sort of, a just, it just comes about. And I will say that the pressure among women is so intense. It's so intense to be slim and trim and shapely and beautiful and it, it can become a source of great shame and, and struggle and hurt. Uh, I consider it a kind of sickness. I mean, you know, there's this youthfulness that women are expected to maintain, you know, and it's usually based at about 25. And uh, my sister-in-law told me she's seen 25-year-olds using aging cream you know, on their skin, and it's just, it's a, it's a sickness in our culture. Um, I can tell you as a father of two daughters, when they were into middle school and high school, I knew that, you know, drugs and alcohol would always be a possible issue. I figure Angela could handle that. Uh, boys would be another issue. I couldn't wait to handle that. But what I worried most about was uh, eating issues, eating disorder, toxic body, self-absorption, uh, things like that, because it is a, a sickness in our culture. It, it can be present with men, but tends to be much less so because the cultural pressure is much less. Uh, I wrote in my blog, which is part of the midweek newsletter this week that you all don't read, that uh, you know, growing up, one of the most formative influences for me was being chubby and even fat, you know, by what everyone said and being ridiculed and, and just longing, longing to be strong and, you know, tough and masculine and all these things, athletic. And uh, it just so happened that I grew out of it, you know, I, I got into high school and I just shot up and no more of that, um, and I kind of became athletic and did all that. But body image doesn't just leave, you know. It, it, it doesn't match objective reality a lot of the time. And so for much of my life, you know, I have just uh, pursued this kind of uh, ideal that um, didn't, wasn't really uh, worthy and, and just sort of a constant dissatisfaction. And, you know, I can just imagine, you know, I'm a man, and I, I just, what some, what many women feel. And um, I remember a, a defining moment for me. I was uh, preaching in Los Angeles, and, uh, we had a competitive bodybuilder who would sometimes get, visit. I mean, this guy had muscles on muscles. He, he, you know, he, his muscles had muscles. And we had this prayer time 
you know, come forward and uh, share a decision for Christ or ask for prayers. And he came forward and he was sobbing because he had been in a bodybuilding contest and he placed third and he saw that as losing. And I was just listening and I had my hand right on his upper arm, you know, just listening. And he said, it's just my noodle arms. It's just my noodle arms. And with great pastoral sensitivity and maturity, uh, of which I often say, I said, Jerome, my hand is on your arm. It feels like a telephone pole. Your arms are bigger than my legs. Snap out of it, Jerome. I didn't say snap out of it. But the point is, his shame had nothing to do with the objective reality. And so our bodies are gifts to be stewarded and when you find yourself, if you find yourself feeling uh, great dissatisfaction or shame about not matching some ideal, just say, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Because what is most important, I think, is health. Health. Pursue health. Pursue health. Good health. You know, that, that's, that's good and beautiful. What some image is... It's not good and beautiful. Pursue health and functionality, and, and you're being a good steward of your body. Okay, so second, our bodies are servants to be directed. Our bodies are gifts to be stewarded. They are also servants to be directed. Just as every ship needs a captain and every organization needs a leader, there's a sense in which our bodies want direction. And discipline. Now, so let's read what the Apostle Paul says about this. This is just part of the witnesses to the body in, in the Bible. He says, Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes ex- exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. Listen, so I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Okay? Wow, that's pretty harsh. I punish my body and enslave it. Well, this is just one of the pictures we get in the Bible and here's what that's about. Paul uses a boxing metaphor and training. And he says, in effect, that word he uses, punish, hupopiazzo, means to kind of pummel and strike and discipline and subdue. And he says, I discipline my body so that it won't take me places that I know I shouldn't go. Okay? It's interesting, you know, I punish my body. The various English translations render that uh, punish or pummel. Uh, some have I, I buffet my body. I had a friend who say, oh, man, I love that. I buffet my body too. I never pass up a buffet. But this is along the lines of 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, where Paul says, Train yourself in godliness. While physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way, both for this life and in the life to come. There is a sense in which our bodies have urges. And those emanate from 
good and beautiful things, food, drink, sex, touch, uh, feel. But in our sin, those urges can become distorted and can become compulsions. And so our senses sort of get out of whack, and our body needs something to say, wait a minute, don't go there, don't do this. And that, you call it what you will, our mind, our, our will. When I was a young Christian, uh, and by the way, in three weeks, I will have been a follower of Jesus for 40 years. Amen? Um, <laughs> baptized when I was six months old, but uh, no, <laughs> in college. But I was drawn to two things early on, scripture memory and fasting. And I bet that fasting was part of that whole compulsion thing of mine. But at any rate, I was reading a book on fasting, and I remember so distinctly a, a, a man who was writing about fasting and how to do it and what to expect and all this. He says, your body's going to tell you, I need food. I need food. You know, after six hours. You don't need food after six hours. It's fine. Tell the body to be quiet. It's like a little child and whines. And in that per perspective, he's, he's right. Our body needs something to direct it and say, no, we're not going to go there now. No, we're not going to do that. No, we're gonna, not going to drink this. No, we're not going to inhale that. No, we're going to, you know, it, it, our body isn't just a, a, an urge that we have to follow. And that's the sense in which the Apostle Paul says, I punish my body, I buffet it, I, I discipline it. He's speaking to the Corinthians, remember, who have this duality. They're Greek. They're like, oh, I can just go out and, and do anything with my body, visit temple prostitutes, do that, but my spirit is what's pristine and pure. No, no, no. He's saying you've got to discipline your bodies. Think of it like how many of you have dogs, okay? You love your dog, don't you? Dogs are awesome. Cats are fine. Dogs are awesome, all right? You, when you got your dog, what's the first thing you did? House-trained it, right? Any of you haven't house-trained your dog? I'll make sure not to come over. Uh, your dog needed that discipline. And then when you take your dog for a walk, you know, you sort of trained it, I hope, to not just lurch all over the place and run you everywhere. You know, I see some people walking their dogs, it's like, you know. And I, I saw one man's arm just uh, detach from its socket and go clattering down the street on the leash. You know, you trained your dog, and you love your dog. And that's the sense in which our body is a servant to be directed. We are happier when we practice those disciplines which are ultimately best for us. And so our bodies are uh, uh, gifts to be stewarded. They are servants to be directed. And last, they are instruments to serve God and others. They are instruments to serve God and others. Read with me Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
Isn't that interesting what Paul said? Present your bodies. Again, we're, we're talking about this holistic aspect. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Virtually everything we do as spiritual beings involves our bodies. We pray, we sing, we hug, we, we uh, fast, or we celebrate and feast as we're going to do later. That's a, di- that's a spiritual discipline, celebration. And everything we do involves our bo- bodies because we're embodied people, and so our bodies are instruments to serve God and others. Ann and I went through a program up in Chicago called Transforming Community, and uh, we, we talked a lot about and practiced a lot of holistic spirituality, and there was even a saying we, 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 we reminded ourselves with, we are not brains on a stick, you know, Western society, all about what's in your mind, your mind. You know, we're holistic people. And so our bodies are instruments to serve God. Jesus never meets an ill or infirm or disabled person and says, oh, don't worry about it. That's just your body. Your spirit is what's most important. This is a well-known verse, maybe sometimes misused, but read 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 through 20 with me. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. This does not mean, therefore, you must have a beautiful body. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Isn't therefore glorify your body for God. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Uh, Treat it as a gift. Treat it as a a servant. Treat it as an instrument. It's good and beautiful. Love it. Care for it. Pursue health and well-being. And so, in closing... Friends, your body is part of God's beautiful and personal and good creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your body is a gift to be treasured. Your body is a servant to be directed. Your body is an instrument to serve God. Love your body as yourself, if you will. Uh, Thank God for your body. Treat, Treat your body um, not as an ornament or as some, uh, some expression of yourself that has to meet certain standards, but just so, with, with the love and care with which God gave your body to you. We are embodied beings. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your good and beautiful creation of which we are part. And we just, we just rebuke any of these false body images or shame or toxicity we carry around with it, we rebuke that. That is not from you, Lord. And we, and we thank you for the good and beautiful bodies you've given us. In the name of Jesus Christ, who became one of us, who took on a body, who became embodied for us, that he might demonstrate he is with us and go to the cross for our sins. In his name we pray. Amen.